Well, good morning, and welcome to Robertson Avenue Baptist Church. This is the day the Lord has made. We should rejoice and be glad in it. First thing I want to say is happy, happy Father's Day to the dads out there. God bless you. And you know something? I'm partial to Father's Day because I'm a dad. Amen? <laughs> well, my goodness, it is so good to see each and every one of you. I want to welcome you here if you're visiting with us this morning. ask you to fill out the little visitor card you'll find in front of you. Place an offer plate as we come around so we can have a record of your visit. I would greatly appreciate that. And if you're tuning in on Facebook Live or on our website, we want to welcome you as well and ask you to come out and visit with us in person. You may love what you see on live stream, but you're going to love what you feel inside the sanctuary because God is here and we're waiting for you to come and be a part of that. All right, so let me tell you a little bit about what's going on at Robertson Avenue today. Well, number one, we will have no services this evening. So we're going to take that time. We've got an amen there. <laughs> we'll have uh, no services this evening. We'll take that time to uh, spend with our fathers. And uh, I hope you enjoy that much-needed rest and family time. All right. Yes, sir. I think that goes without saying if we're having no service, right? So no choir practice also this afternoon as well. And uh, we do have some new things that are coming up. We have... Uh, wonderful new class starting up. It's actually an old class, but it's starting back up. It's Experiencing God going to start on July 12th, um, and that's going to be Monday from 6 to 8. It's going to be every Monday to follow. There's a sign-up sheet out the foyer, and if you're interested in that, there is a small fee that goes toward the book, uh, and so if you're interested in that, please sign up. Get with uh, me or with uh, anybody from our office, and we'll be able to get you some more details on Experiencing God. It's a neat class on knowing and doing the will of God. I also want to remind you all that coming up Saturday, July 10th, Operation Christmas Child will have our first workshop of the year. That will be from 10 to 12 on Saturday, July 10th. You need to come and be a part of that. If you intend to be involved in OCC, then Sister DJ is the lady to get with, and you need to be there at that training. So we have some neat things. I think we're going even deeper this year than we did last year, and we intend to get more and more involved. And I think we already have a higher goal, don't we, DJ? this year. So we need you and we need your prayers in that as well. Uh, also, church, I'll remind you that starting tomorrow morning at 8 a.m., CB and some of the guys will be ripping down the sound booth you see behind you there with Tad and CB in it. That's going to that's gonna bite the dust tomorrow and probably create a lot of dust while we're at it. And so they're going to be needing your help getting that stuff out and onto the uh, trailer and getting it out. And then they're going to be uh, building a new frame for our electricians to come in. We've got a small period of time to get that done two to three days, so really and honestly, we need your help in that. So, I want to remind you of Wednesday night Bible study at 6.30. Come and be a part of that. Today is also the last day of um, our baby bottles, so if you have brought those with you, you can turn them into me or to Monica, or you can uh, get with somebody, we'll get them in there. Also, want to remind you of our Ladies of Joy uh, coming up. I think it's in September. They're going out. Our promise keepers are going out in July, and so we just have a lot of things going on at um, Robertson Avenue Baptist Church. Uh, next Sunday, our youth will be leaving out, our boy youth, our male youth, will be leaving out for, for camp. It's the first time Robertson Avenue has went to camp in, in a couple of years, so be in prayer for them as well. And I think that's about it, unless I've forgotten something. We're a busy church, amen? All right. So that's a good thing to have. Uh, men's Bible study is starting back up uh, with a brand new class called Stepping Up in Faith and in Family. And so 
so you need to get and be a part of that. It's a neat, neat, neat class. And so, for more information, you can go to Chris Lyons on that. And my goodness, I think that's my final announcement. All right. So, let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer. We're going to do something a little different today that we haven't done in a long time. Our ministry team has met and requested that we do this. After we pray, would you rise and say hello to the person behind you? So, do a little handshaking and a little neck hugging and get back to your feet pretty quick so we can get back to work. So, let's pray together, shall we? Father, we come to you now in Jesus' name. We want to thank you for the opportunity to gather in your house, Lord, this morning. And I just pray that as we worship, we will worship you in truth and spirit. That you reach out and bless us and fill us with your goodness. And I pray, Lord, you take charge of this time. That if there be anyone that needs to come to know you as personal Lord and Savior, would you let today be the day they do come to know you? Would you be with those that are out traveling, Lord? And would you be with those, Father, who are home and sick? Would you let them know we love them, we're praying for them, we're praying, and take them back to you? For these things we do ask and bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Please rise and welcome one another. Goodness gracious. I was given one more announcement to share with you, and that's Wednesday night Bible study is 6.30, but it will be in the fellowship hall due to the mess we'll be making tearing down the sound booth. God bless you in that. That being said, Brother Robert. One more, one more. You know, I can't believe I forgot this, but it's just testimony that I'm getting old there. You know, today is Father's Day, and we have something we'd like to give our fathers. If you're a dad, would you stand up this morning? And let's go ahead. Don't be bashful, Dad. God bless you. God bless you, Dad. We have something we want to give you. And so while you're standing, our young ones are going to come by and bring you something, just a small token of our love. And uh, you know something, Dad? This is straight from our hearts. It's a, it's a Mr. Good Bar candy bar. Amen? Bless you in that. Thank you so much for the things you do, Dad. We can do it again. You better not forget Pastor. I'll tell you what.
thank you so much. That's okay. I can take them all. That's good right there. Thank you. Happy, happy Father's Day. Thank you all for that. With that being said, we'll now turn that service over to Brother Robert. Thank you very much. <laughs> that was just too cute. Uh, okay. Let's all stand up. We're going to start this Father's Day off. We're going to be singing songs that should bring us back to where we need to be. To the cross of Jesus Christ. Are you washed in the blood?
Well, good morning. <laughs> I'm excited about it. You know, my Father's Day starting out great. I got a Mr. Good boss. Praise the Lord. <laughs> if you have your Bibles with you, come with me to the Gospel of Mark. The Gospel of Mark. So we are going to do a little bit different today on Father's Day than we have before. So I wanted to take you on a journey, if you will. So I want to ask you to bear with me. We'll do a little bit of preaching, a little bit of teaching, and hopefully you'll do a little bit of laughing. But I pray, most of all, there's a whole lot of saving going on. You need to get Jesus in your heart this morning, and you need to be right here when that invitation is called. Turn with me to Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 14. Do a little bit of reading. The Bible tells us in verse 14, Then he appointed twelve, that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach, and to have power to heal sicknesses, and to cast out demons. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Boanerges, that is, sons of thunder. Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and of course, Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. And they went to a house. The title of this morning's message is Father's Day. And we're going to focus in on really just one of those disciples. Let's go to the Lord in prayer today. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. We want to thank you for the opportunity to be a part of what you're doing here at Rock Chapel. And I pray, Lord, you reach out and touch us today. Grab us, Lord God. Set a fire underneath us that if there be anybody that needs to come to know you as personal Lord and Savior, anybody, Father, that needs to get their heart right with you, their walk right with you, anything with you. We give that praise you that time. We give you the praise, honor, and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to look today at the sons of thunder. What kind of men do you think they were? What kind of guys were James and John? I often have thought about that myself, and I've often wondered what they must be like. And I have a picture for you right here. And as my tradition is, I want to put up a disclaimer, that's not an actual picture like that. So some of you might have think someone was back in time and snapped that Polaroid, but that's not true. That's not true at all. That's just an artist's representation there. However, that may have been something of what it was like that day that Jesus stood there with John and with his brother James and he said, you are the sons of thunder. And let me tell you, there's a lot going on there. There's a lot in that verse. So look with me, please, at the sons of thunder. We have a Greek word here for you. It's boanerges, right? Sons of commotion is really what it means. If you wanted to pronounce it in modern day Greek, it would be boanerges, an epithet of two apostles name for them. That particular kind of personality. Sons of commotion. You probably have some teenagers, and therefore you know what sons of commotions are. Amen? You might say, Pastor, that's more relevant to my teenage daughter nowadays than my son. However, Jesus named these two guys sons of thunder. Well, today is Father's Day, as you know. And that means we need to focus in on the father of the sons of Oanerges. His name was Zebedee. Zebedee. 
when I was a young Christian and I remember the first time I came across the father of James and John and I realized his name was Zebedee, you know what came to my mind? Zippity Doo. <laughs> Don't you love to laugh in the house of the Lord? We have this man. His name is Zebedee. We don't really get to meet him in the Bible. We don't really get to understand a lot about him. But we get to see his son. And we get to see how they behave. We get to see what they do. We get to see what they say. And we get to see what they become. What kind of father was that man who could raise the author of the Gospel of John, of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, of the Revelation, and raise a son who went all the way to martyrdom? for Jesus Christ. What kind of man was that? That was Zebedee. All we know about him is that he was in a fishing boat mending some nets. What an amazing guy that was. He must have been some kind of character, though, for Jesus to say, you're the sons of thunder. Could you imagine what kind of personality Zebedee must have if people would say, your children are sons of thunder? I mean, might as well call him the son of a gun, huh? Sons of thunder. What kind of person was Zebedee? Perhaps in every room he went to, his personality would talk to everyone that came around. Perhaps everywhere he went, the ability to steal the attention in the room went with him. Perhaps he was one of those guys who didn't have to say a word. He could walk into Walmart and everyone would turn around and say, Who is that guy? He must have been some kind of character. Can you imagine what it was like when he spoke? Being a son of thunder. I always thought of him being a person with a big, booming voice. That's not. That witness voice went some booms, though. You know what I mean? Some characters need to know that. And let me tell you, today, it's 2021 in the United States of America. Fathers need to put some booms on some of their kids again. Yes, go like this. How many they men in a bad church? This is the generation of time out. Well, that didn't quite work out for us, did it? No, it didn't. And we're still facing the problems of that. As we have kids today that have no respect for any authority, anywhere, anytime, any place. They need to understand their sons of thunder. And when you call that the thunder, there goes some booming with it. So let's take a look at Zebedee. What kind of person was he? Well, the truth is, church, we don't really know all that much about him. But there are some clues in the Scriptures that we can learn from. Let's take a journey through the New Testament and learn about Zebedee. So journey with me. Turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4. And let's meet Zebedee for the first time in our New Testament. Matthew, chapter 4. Read with me just two verses. And we're going to jump around a little bit. I want to apologize for that. But we have to do that to get this journey complete. Matthew chapter 4, verses 21 and 22. The Bible says, verse 21, going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He called them. In other words, Jesus called them. And immediately, they left their boat and their father and followed him. And I took the liberty of putting up another picture for you of what that might have looked like that morning. Now, let's just be honest with you. They've got some uh, writing there on the boat. It's in Phoenician and uh, or some little bit of paleo Hebrew there. And it actually says Zebedee on the stern of the boat there on the bow of the boat. And you've got Zebedee there in the middle. And, of course, you've got 
came to John. He wanted to sail and wanted mending the nets there in Zebedee. They're sitting back, relaxing, which is probably not true. He was probably right there with his sons in the middle of it. And then Jesus comes up, and I want you to understand something about these boats. These boats are itty bitty, teeny tiny little boats. These are not big boats like this with sails on them. They were small, and most of the time they were canoe-like, and they were really long-like. And so when big storms and waves came, no wonder even the fishermen were afraid, saying, Lord, we're going to sink. And you didn't take much to capsize into your boat. Of course, it took a lot to fall asleep in a boat like that. And so we have here a picture of what it might have been like that morning. And Jesus came up. They're working diligently. This is their livelihood. Holes in that net meant no fish. It meant less fish. It meant the big one would get out. And when the big one got out, the little ones would follow. Jesus came up and he said, in a simple invitation, come, follow me. The Bible tells us that James and John left the nets and their father in the boat and followed after Jesus. What kind of man was Zebedee? What kind of man must he have been? He raised two fishermen. Now, as you go on to Bible school and you get yourself in the seminary, you're going to find out a whole lot about the Apostle John. You're going to find out that he is one of the most gifted orators our history has ever known. This is the guy who penned, listen to me now, penned, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. He penned that. He wrote that through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He sat down and wrote it elegantly. That's an amazing man. That's a fisherman, y'all. Can I say that in the Baptist church? It's a fisherman. He wasn't a Bible school graduate. No, he probably had some roots coming out of some priesthood there. As you know from the scriptures, he's known by the high priest. We also know that he knows things that your average Jew didn't know. We're going to sneak in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. There is so much in that. And I don't have time to go into it now. But what kind of man must have Zebedee been as he raised his children? Fishermen. Fishermen. He raised them. They were hardworking. They were men who were there. They went through their sickness. They were not. This, this wasn't a generation that said, I don't feel good. I'm not going to work. This was a generation that said, if I don't go to work, I don't eat. This was a generation that said, if I don't pay the bills, my family doesn't have a house to live in. This was a generation that said, my wife and my children are depending upon me. This is a generation that said, if I don't show up in that boat and help my father, then my father will suffer. We need some more of that, don't we? Here's Zebedee in the boat. Jesus walks up and talks to James and to John and says, come and follow me. And they immediately get up and they walk out of the boat, leaving the nets behind, leaving their father behind, church, and following Jesus. Now, I need you to understand the picture here. What kind of man must Zebedee been to teach his children? You know he was loyal. You know he was hardworking. You know he was somebody who taught a good old-fashioned dose of realism to his family. What's a dose of realism? Realism is, if you don't work, you don't eat. What's realism? If you do wrong, you get punished. What's realism? 
that your family depends upon you, not the other way around. Zebedee taught his family tradition. He taught them morals. He taught them love. And let me tell you, that's what fatherly is all about. Amen? So we're seeing a picture here in Zebedee of a good, godly father. But there's something more going on here. You see, when Jesus walked up and said, Come, follow me, they didn't hesitate. They got right out of the boat and started following Jesus. I want to be the kind of father, and I want you to be the kind of father, that when your children hear Jesus call, they don't hesitate, and they get up and walk, leaving everything behind. Can I get an amen this morning? That's what good godly fathers do. That's what Father Day is all about. And that's how we're supposed to raise our children. So when they hear the voice of the Son of God, they walk away from anything coming between them and Jesus. Zebedee was that kind of man. He raised his children. When you hear God speak, nothing else matters. God first. God comes first in everything. He was a fisherman. He had those nets in the boat. Jesus spoke. Those boys got up and left. And I can imagine Zebedee was as proud as any dad could have ever been. Just like any dad this morning will be proud child, be proud son, be proud daughter when you come down the aisle and put Jesus in your heart. Do you feel that call? Zebedee's children did. And Zebedee raised them to recognize, to understand, and to hear God's voice. When they heard God spoke, when they heard God speak, they got up and left. What the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, the Bible says, And you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. What does that mean? Train them in the Lord, in admonition of the Lord. Training. In other words, He gave them biblical background. They knew the Word of God. And you know why they knew the Word of God? You know why it was so important to teach their children the Word of God? So that when the Word of God spoke, they heard it. They knew it. They recognized it. When God's Word spoke, they understood what it was. And I have no doubt, so did Zebedee. There was no complaint. There was no, are you leaving me here to do these nets all by myself? It was, go, son, and find your Father in heaven. The Bible tells us we're to raise our children like that. Just provoke your children not to wrath. In other words, you don't need to lord over them. You don't need to bully them. Instead, you need to bring them up in the training of the Lord. Take time to have a Bible study. How many of you know that a Bible study in your family will change what your family does? It will change the way your family thinks. It will change the way your family feels. It will change the way your children react. It sure will, Pastor. I tried it the other day, and my 18-year-old rebelled. That's because you're 18 years too late. Don't provoke your children to wrath. Start right now. Bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. And let me tell you, if now is the time you're starting, you're going to have some trouble. But stay with them. Let's look at another picture of Zebedee here. We see that he was a good father. We see that he was a father that loved his children. He raised them up in the training of the Lord, and he raised them up in the admonition of the Lord. What does admonition mean? It means recognition. When God is working, they can tell when God was working. When God was talking, they can tell when God was talking. They can tell when the Spirit of God was moving in the sanctuary. They can tell when God was at work all around them. Admonition, respect, reverence, fear, worship, admonition. And that's how Zebedee raised his children. And when the Word of God came up and spoke, 
They threw those nets right down. Take a look with me in Matthew chapter 20. Let's take a look at another picture of Zebedee's life. Not only was Zebedee a good father, Zebedee taught his children something else. How many of you know that being a good father goes hand in hand with being a good husband? Amen? You cannot be a good father if you're not a good husband. Because you're supposed to teach your children how to be good husbands. You're supposed to teach your daughters how to be good wives. And let me tell you, Dad, that's part of your job too. Teach your daughter how to be a good wife. Matthew 20, verse 20 through 23 actually tells us, Then the mother, listen to me now, Then the mother of Zebedee's son came to him, being Jesus, with her sons, James and John, kneeling down and asking something from him. He said to her, What do you wish? She said to him, Grant that these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right hand and the other on the left, in your kingdom. Now we know the rest of the story. Jesus is going to say, hey, can they go through the baptism I go through? Jesus is going to tell them about these things. But I need to point out to you that there's something interesting happening here. Look with me in verse 22. Jesus answered and said, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? They said to him, we are able. So he said to them, you will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give but it is for those for whom it is prepared by my Father. And so we have a picture here of the wife of Zebedee. There she is. She's on the far right on your screen there. Standing just underneath her, if you will, kind of close, is what most people think to be John. And of course, the one standing right next with his head up being James. So who's that sticking his head around the shoulder of James? We don't know. We don't know. Perhaps it's Peter. Perhaps it's another. We don't know. But the picture that we have there is James and John. And, of course, their mom has come to Jesus and said, Jesus, would you allow my children to set one on your right hand, one on your left hand? And Jesus says, that's a neat request, but I'm telling you the truth. It's given by my Father. And you know the rest of the story. The other disciples are going to get angry. And Jesus is going to use it as a teaching moment to say, you know, the Gentiles lord their position over top of each other. But you're not to be that way. If you want to be great in the kingdom of God, then you serve one another. But we got a picture here of the wife of Zebedee coming up to Jesus. Did you hear me now? The wife of Zebedee. What kind of man must have Zebedee been that his wife could go out Find Jesus, go straight up to the living God and say, I want you to bless my children. What kind of wife was that? That was a good godly woman. Can I get an amen on that? That's a woman who cared about her children. That's a woman who cares about her husband. That's a woman that any good godly man would want to be. And if you're going to be that good godly man on Father's Day, you need to make sure you have a good godly woman with you. Zebedee married a good godly woman. And that means, incidentally, let me just be honest with you, he wasn't angry at his wife for going to see Jesus. He didn't get mad at her. James and John didn't get mad at her saying, Mom, you embarrassed me. But you know, they learned how to behave from their father. And this was the son of thunder. He was not just a good dad. Church, he was a good husband. And I want to talk about that for just a minute. Being a good Husband, I want to share with you some interesting statistics. Did you know that men on average only say about 2,500 words a day? 
Women say about 5,000. Some have gushed up to 100,000. It's true. That's why a man gets home from work. He's used up 23,000 or 2,300 of his words. And all he'll say then is, be hungry, food, please. <laughs> or, please give me remote. In my house, the symbol of authority is a remote control. Let me tell you. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Until Betsy decides I'm watching this, and I just sit there and suffer. <laughs> Betsy said, what's the matter? Don't you want to watch that? And I'm thinking, not a chance I want to watch that. No, I don't want to watch that. Here we have a woman who knew her husband wasn't going to be in the least bit upset coming to Jesus. What kind of man must have ever been? Not only did he not get upset, but I believe it's encouraged. Go to Jesus on behalf of your children. Go to God. Bring our children to God. I want my children to grow up in a good, godly household. Can somebody say amen this morning? Zebedee was our picture this morning. He was a good father. At church, he was a good husband. Why was he a good husband? Well, he was at work. Well, like this. That's what most of y'all say makes a good man. He goes to work. And not only did he go to work, but he loved his children. He had a relationship with his children. He loved his wife. He had a relationship with his wife. How do we know that? Because Zebedee taught his children to recognize God's work. And his wife could recognize who God was. That's a good godly man. His wife wanted her children to be as close to God as possible. That's the kind of man we're supposed to be. That's the kind of fathers we're supposed to be. You want to know something else about marriage, guys? In the early 1990s, a German research company tried to put together what makes men and women live different lifespans. And they noticed that men usually die a little bit earlier than women. Women are going, amen, right now. Some of you are saying, praise the Lord, because I couldn't make it that long. However, they did notice something else. That men that kiss their wives, good morning, live Longer. Men kiss their wives goodbye have less traffic accidents. Men that kiss their wives upon coming home sleep better at night. So, Pastor, what do you say? Kiss your wife. I don't know about y'all, but if I don't get my kiss, there's trouble in that house, man. I've got a rule in my house. You want to know what that rule is? If you do not come and tell dad goodbye, I don't care if you're 25. I will, I will find you and kiss you on your head in front of all your friends. Ask some of my boys if that has not happened to them. I have chased them down to the city park pool where they're sitting there with all those girls around them basking in the sun, and I'll plant one right on their cheek and say, you didn't say bye to me, son. I love you. Their face got as red, boy. No, you better tell Dad goodbye. And you know something else? You better say goodbye to your wife. You better kiss her goodbye. That's another rule that you and I have. We kiss no matter you know what else we do. Make a good husband, a good wife, a good family. We have learned to pray together. You know how many men do not pray with their wives? We're afraid to pray with our wives. Why? Because we think we're going to reveal something about it. Some weakness. I want to tell you the truth. It doesn't reveal a weakness. It makes a strength. 
when you pray together. Not only do you pray together, you begin to worship together. And you start having a relationship like Mr. and Mrs. Zebedee, where both of you are taking your children to Jesus Christ. How do you know? How many of you know that when a dad and a mom bring their children to Jesus, you get Gospels of John out of them? That's the kind of man I want to be. Mary's a good, godly woman. That's the kind of man I want to be. To raise my children to understand and hear the voice of God. So Zebedee, he wanted his children to be close to God. He was a really good husband. You know what the Bible says about being a husband? Look at me in Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Let's look to verse 27 here. The Bible says, Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. I'm going to go ahead and get into that verse for just a minute. If I were to speak to any man individually here in this room or anyone on Facebook today, every one of you that are married would say, I would die for my wife, Pastor. And I believe you would. But how many of us would die to ourselves for our wives? How many of us would die just a little bit every day to make sure she's presented to God as a chaste and wonderful Christian without spot, without wrinkle? Do you understand what I'm saying? How many of us would be willing to die to ourselves that she might grow spiritually? This was the picture of Zebedee. This is the picture the Apostle Paul paints as he writes the church in Ephesus. Husbands, love your wives. Love her like Christ loved the church. And how did Christ show how he loved us? The Bible tells us that God demonstrated his love toward us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You say, I would die for my wife, Pastor. But would you die to yourself? We are afraid to even lose an argument, aren't we? Let alone with our children. You know, I'm not afraid to say, son, you were right and I'm wrong. That was the hardest thing in my life to do. Is to look down at a little 10 or 12 year old and say, you were right. I'm wrong. I thought it made me feel this tall, but in that boy's eyes, it made me six feet tall. Say, Pastor, what's your dream being six feet? And I was tall and big and narrow when I could come to them and say, you were right, and Dad was wrong. You know, I have to do that with Betsy all the time now. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. Let me tell you, it's great to be a father. I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. So I want to share with you something now about being a father. It comes from my heart, not out of the Scripture, even though the principle comes out of the Scripture. For years, I pastored churches, and there was a time I stepped out of that pastor role and began working for the state of Texas. And for the first time in our lives, we could buy a house. We could go out to eat. Y'all, I'm not kidding you. We were broke. Pastoring churches is not a lot of money. And we were broke, but just for the first time, we had money. We bought a car. We bought a house. My eldest son came to me and said, Dad, I want a video game. I want one of those Texas. We had a PlayStation, but it was old. It was given to us by one of our family friends. He had given it to me, and I gave it to my son after I played it. 
And then he got where he could beat me at it. And so he said, Dad, I want the second version. He had a PlayStation. He wanted a PlayStation 2. So I talked to Becky about it. I said, you know, I think you could actually afford it. It's only about $100, $110 at Walmart. It was old at that time. And you could buy one for him. He said, you know what? He was a good boy. He never asked for much. Let's go get him. So we put Josh in the car and Georgia was there with us. And we drove up to Walmart and we bought a PlayStation 2. We came home. My boy's eyes were as big as fuck. Oh, how he loved me, church. Oh, how he put his arms around me, and I'll never forget that. How it made me feel. He said, Dad, I love you. But until that day, until that day when I got home from work, I was my boy's whole world. When I got home, they came running. Dad's home. The fun can begin again. See, the wrestling started, and he just drove Becky crazy. We were outside. We were inside. Dad was home. The game did not stop. Sometimes I was going to bed. Had to be up at 2.30 in the morning. But the boys were still coming in the room. 10.30, 11 o'clock at night. Said, Dad, guess what? And I wouldn't trade that for anything in the world. But I brought that PlayStation home. Oh, how he loved me. And oh, how it made me feel. And I got home that next day from work. And for the first time, my son did not come to greet me. For the first time, they did not meet me at the door saying, Dad's home. They were in there playing that little video game. And I really realized, I began to realize, they had fallen in love with the gift more than the giver. And we do that with God all the time, don't we? We begin to fall in love with what He's given us with the gift of ministry, with the gift of music, with the gift of preaching, with the gift of teaching, with the gift of help. And we begin to say, it's my gift, or it's all mine, and I want everyone to understand me. We get down inside and fall broken hearts. And we do it all the time. We fall in love with life, don't we? We think this life is where it's at. This life it's not where we really live, y'all. If you're a Christian, you don't live here on this earth anymore. Your citizenship is now in heaven. Where you live is temporary. Yes, amen, praise the Lord. And one of these days, this body is going to die. This body will not go to heaven. And we spend money after money after money trying to make this body right. This body cannot be fixed, y'all. It is sin, and sin guarantees it will die. It has to be saved. It has to be cleansed. It has to be bought and paid for with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And even though He's given me the gift of this life, there were times I was guilty of loving it more than the gift. Now I want to bring you back to Sons of Thunder. Sons of Thunder. What kind of boys were they? And we got a good idea what kind of dad he must have been. Oh, what a great father he must have been. He taught his boys to hear, to obey, and to get up immediately when God spoke. He taught his wife that it's okay for you to go to God. You can have a relationship with God. I want to have a relationship with God with you. And we will take our children to God together. Amen. Take a look at something else. Look with me in John chapter 12. Let's look at a very interesting we have some Greeks showing up, and that's rare. 
Why would Greeks show up to Jesus? Well, let me tell you why. Are you ready for this? Gonna knock your socks off because Jesus would make a very, very exciting general. Anybody who could feed an army would have stacked lunch. Anybody who could raise the dead would be a general that would be feared. And nothing like the Greeks, nothing like the Greeks, boy, they would love to get Rome off of their back, wouldn't they? So we have some Greeks showing up here. Look at me in verse 20 of chapter 12. The Bible says, Now there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. They had become proselytes. They had become those who said, Perhaps this Jewish life, this life of rules, regulations, of stipulations, is how we're clean. Wrong. All those rules do is teach you you need a Savior. Look with me in verse 21. They came to Philip. Why did they go to Philip? Because Philip is the only disciple who has a Greek name. Everybody else has a Jewish name. They came to the one with the Greek name. They heard that name. They're like, perhaps he has some Greek sympathy. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida, Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. And let me tell you, there's a lifetime of preaching in that verse. I'm going to have to sail past it. Philip came and he told Andrew. And in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus, man, out of all those disciples, four of them were fishermen. Simon and Andrew, James and John. Out of those twelve, Jesus told four of them were fishermen. There's a reason for it. And we're not going to get into that today, but there is a reason for it. Look at verse 23. Jesus answered them and said, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and it dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. See, they're intent to say, come be our king. Come be our general. And Jesus is telling them, the mission of the Son of Man is the cross. He who loves his life, can you hear what I'm saying? He who loves his life will lose it. Verse 25. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal if anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him will my Father honor. And now Jesus says something mystifying. He just speaks out in verse 27. Now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose I came to this hour. And then he prays, Father, in verse 28, Father, Glorify thy name. And the Bible tells us in verse 28, Then a voice came from heaven, saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Therefore, the people who stood by heard it said that it had thunder. <laughs> the others said, An angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, said, This voice did not come because of me, but for your we are looking at the sons of thunder this morning. Zebedee was obviously the thunder, and they were sons of thunder. What made him thunderous was that he taught his children to hear the voice of God. What made him thunderous was that he taught his wife that it was okay to go to God. He prayed with his wife. He loved his wife. He loved his children. He prayed with his children. He prayed for his children. He was there for his children. And when Jesus came, he allowed his children to go with Jesus. Tells us a voice came from heaven. It thundered, said some people. It thundered. Oh, it thundered. You know, John is not mentioned in that list. Philip, Andrew, a couple of others. 
John was not mentioned in there, but the Bible does tell us. Someone said, no, it was the voice of an angel. I heard it. And you start to see there's a difference between certain people. Some people hear only thunder. Some people hear what God is saying. You might be saying there this morning, Josh, you've been doing a lot of thundering, brother. Perhaps you're not saying I'm hearing the voice of God. What did John think about it? Well, obviously, John thought it was the voice of an angel, the voice of God. Why? Because John wrote that gospel. And he said, I do. He said it was the voice of an angel. By the way, he's the son of thunder. He knew that voice when he heard it. The Bible tells us in John 8, verse 47, He who is of God, hears God's words. Therefore you do not hear, because you are not of God. Now, take your mind with me to Christ. We have this picture of a wonderful father, Zebedee, who taught his children to love God, to obey God, to listen to God. And when God spoke, they did not hesitate. They got up, they went. His wife kept on representing that family love. And she went straight to Jesus and said, Bless my children. I also have a picture of John saying, I know that voice. Oh, I know that voice. And we have a picture of these disciples. Twelve of them. One of them is the brother of John. But at the cross, James is not there. Second of all, God. The Bible tells us in John chapter 19, if you'll turn with me there, you'll find out who's there. We'll conclude our message. John chapter 19, verses 25 and 27, the Bible says, Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, that's Mary, and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas. And Mary Magdalene. That's a lot of Marys, amen? That's confusing. We'll just start calling them your Marge, your Mary, and your Magpie. When Jesus therefore saw his mother, this is verse 26, and his disciple whom he loved, that's John, standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son, because I know that the man of God. I know that he was raised by a good godly man. He knows how to love his mother. He knows how to obey his parents. He knows what I expect of him. Woman, behold your son. And he said to that disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. The last picture of the day, of course, we have Mary and John at the cross. Wisely, they did not show all of Jesus on the cross. The Roman centurion in the background. And I want you to start thinking of the picture now. What kind of man must a Zebedee have been to have led his children to hear the voice of God, to lead his children to obey God's voice, to lead his children into good, godly relationships, to be that kind of man that takes home Mary to live in his house. But not only that, but to be the kind of man, now listen to me for just a second, to be that kind of man that when all else have left Jesus, when the whole world has turned their back on Jesus, when the church has turned their faith away from Jesus, John was still at the cross. Why? Because he learned how to stay from his father, Zebedee. We need that kind of teaching today, family. We need to teach our children that we don't quit when 
the world says it's not right. We don't quit when it looks like we're dying on the cross. We don't quit when it looks like it's hopeless. Instead, we go to Jesus Christ who gives us the victory. And John was there at the cross. And all the others were gone. Because Zebedee taught him to understand God's voice. You know what the Bible tells us? The Bible tells us something special here. Zebedee taught his children to go all the way to the cross. Even when James stepped out, John was still there. And you might be sitting in the pew this morning saying, my whole family has stepped out, Pastor. My brothers, my sisters, my mothers, my father, they're no longer what they are. But I want to stay there at the cross. I want to hear what God has to say to me. Do you see the revelation that John got? Take my mom home. Take my mom home. John, would you like the little baby story I shared with you about my son? Could you imagine what she shared about Jesus? Could you imagine the insight John learned? And now we begin to understand why he could write something like, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. See, she was there firsthand when the heavens opened up and the angels began to sing out glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill to men. John brought her to his home because he went all the way to the cross. Because Zebedee taught him, don't quit. When God speaks, you don't give up. When God speaks, you stay faithful. When God speaks, you are there. Even though it looks like we're dying, we're really winning. What the Bible tells us, look with me in Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. Perhaps you're one of those fathers this morning. You say, Pastor, I made a mess of my children. Is it too late? Let me tell you the truth is no. It's never too late to start praying. Amen? It is never too late to say, Jesus, work a miracle, not just in my children, but in me. You want to rebuild that relationship? Come on to Jesus this morning. Perhaps you're one of those fathers that said, I don't have a relationship with my child. Can God ever establish one with us? Nothing is too hard for Nothing is impossible for him. But you've got to start praying. You've got to come to the cross like John did. And there's no telling what God's going to put in your heart. Not one thought of what God can do. Or perhaps you want to say, Pastor, we sang all about the cross this morning. You took us to the cross at the end. Well, John witnessed his blood flowing down. Well, John witnessed the agony, yet the love. What does that mean for me? Well, that means you need to put Jesus in your heart. That means you need to hear His voice. Don't just sit there and say, well, it's just Sunday, John. Say it with an angel and come this morning. Or perhaps you want to say, I need a church home. I need somewhere to be a part of. I need a fellowship to covenant with. Would you be a part of that this morning? Would you come and let us know what God is doing in your life? We're going to have a word of prayer. And if He has spoken to you, would you surrender to Him this morning? Father, we come to you now in Jesus' name. We want to thank you, Lord, for your word. And I pray you take charge even now this time. That if there be anyone, any dad, any mom, any family, Lord, that needs to come to know you as personal Lord and Savior, any child, Lord, would you let today be that 
Is there anybody here that needs to get their walk right with you? Would you let now be that time? Would you let today be that day? Would we give you the praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' holy name? Amen. Would you come as we sing? Would you come this morning? Would you stand? Well, look what I found. I found some strangers in the rain. <laughs> this is Brother Max and Terry Bishop in the church. They are members here at Washington Avenue. Well, they've been out and about and doing other things. They've been with some other churches. And uh, let me tell you, they've been doing some revivals and a lot of things out there. He does a lot of music work. And so, but he's been away from Washington Avenue for quite a while. And you know, he's coming back today saying, I want to I want to reaffirm my membership in Washington Avenue. If you're going to pray for him, I love Amen. <laughs> Would you say amen? If you're going to support him in the decision and pray for him, would you say amen? Amen. I can't think of a better day than Father's Day for that. So, not just that, but you've got to miss the good boy. I can't get over that. So, I can't get over that. Well, blessed be the name of the Lord. My goodness. Well, I want to wish each and every father here a happy Father's Day. I want to remind you not to forget to give thanks to your heavenly Father for giving us his only begotten Son. I want to remind you that there's no service tonight, no choir practice tonight, and Wednesday night, Bible study, 6.30, we'll be in the fellowship hall. So, is there any questions or comments or anything else I may have forgotten? Don't forget Experiencing God. Sign up, seat out there. Baby bottles, get them turned in because I'm giving them to them this week. And...
thank you, Tom. The Thursday Bible study met at 6 o'clock. 6.30. Thursday, well, thank you very much. That does start back up this week, doesn't it? So Thursday, 6.30. And I want to thank each and every one of you for being a part of our uh, police outreach. You know, we got together with the Coppertoe Police Department on Thursday, church, and we had 16 police officers there. Yes, blessed be the name of the Lord. Got to pray with them, pray for them. Got to meet them, minister to them, and every one of those officers came by and said, thank you for that marquee that was up. <laughs> so what was on that marquee? Because we pray for our police officers. Let me tell you, they need prayer. Amen? They do. We need prayer. Pray for us. My goodness. As you start praying, people start changing. Amen? So let's get into that prayer mode. All right. Uh, also want to thank each and every one of you for being a part of what God is doing in Los Angeles. Continue to pray and see what God does next week. Uh, I'm going to ask, Brother Matt, would you close us in prayer today? Amen.